here and there, and always at sexpotcomedy.com. sounds like if you were hanging out with us casually over a midday meal. It is the Grabbing Lunch Podcast. This is episode 76, Cole Stratton and Mark Hershon. I'm going to get to the episode uh, post-haste, just a couple dates at the top. On Thursday, August 13th, 2015, I'm going to be uh, headlining a show at the Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank, California. That's August 13th at 9 p.m. Doing a longer set, so if you live in Los Angeles and uh, would like to come out, I would love to see you there. And then the following week, August 20th, 21st, and 22nd, that text is for me, but I'm not going to get it because I'm busy talking right now. Uh, 20, 21, 22, that is uh, at the Denver High Plains Comedy Festival in Denver, Colorado. It is put on by the people who are the brains and brawn behind Sexpot Comedy, the uh, the podcast network and comedy shorts. Just go to sexpotcomedy.com and, uh, and check that out. Okay, this is episode 76. This is Cole Stratton and Mark Hershon. Cole Stratton is a, uh, a renaissance man. He uh, is one of the co-founders of the San Francisco Sketch Fest in San Francisco, ironically enough. He's also the co-host with Vanessa Ragland of Pop My Culture, which is a phenomenal podcast on the Nerdist Network. And he's also a master improviser with his group, Theme Park Improv, and they do comedy festivals all the time. Last time I saw them perform was at the Bridgetown Comedy Festival in Portland, Oregon, and they uh, they blew the roof off the joint. You can find Cole Stratton at his website, Cole Stratton, C-O-L-E-S-T-R-A-T-T-O-N.com or at Cole Stratton on Oval Twitter machine. And just for the record, uh, with people sitting around, you can never tell who's who, so I, this is a trope of the show. Uh, so, you know, Cole Stratton, Sounds like this. My least favorite lazy writing thing in the world, especially like in tropes, kids movies and stuff, like in the Shrek movies. It's always like, I'm gonna go tell her I love her, uh, and then she just says something out of context that yes. really isn't bad, but then he just hears that and then walks away, and I'm That's, like, oh. Uh, like Jenny, my wife, has often said that in the Toy Story movies, if they just listen to Woody for five minutes, <laughs> just give Woody a listen, nothing happens. Yes, it's always important to listen to the puppet. They usually have some compelling information to convey. Also, I was aware that I said tropes in the setup and then I said tropes in the audio clip at the restaurant. That is what I like to call a non-existent callback. I was bringing the word tropes back before you even knew it was there. Okay, uh, my other guest is Mark Hershon, who is a phenomenal writer, producer, comedian, improviser. Uh, He also wears many hats in show business, including uh, hosting a great podcast called The Succotash Show. It's the comedy podcast podcast. He aggregates uh, different podcasts and and, uh, and puts them into chunked episodes. It's a really cool concept. Check it out at Succotash. Show.com. That is S-U-C-C-O-T-A-S-H show.com. Succotashshow.com. And Mark Hershon. Sounds like this. I was pitching a movie once with an executive at Paramount. Uh, me and the guy uh, we were work- uh, that I was working with, we were ushered into Sherry Lansing's office. Hello, right? hello. Why are we meeting Sherry? Are we- I thought we were meeting somebody else. And like, oh, we just wanted you to see your office. What? She's not in there. And then we were shown out. Wow. Yeah, she wasn't even in town. Make sure that whoever comes in sees my office. That's just... That's that's so hilarious that that happened. Anyway, uh, there's tons of great stories on this episode and a a lot of riffing. These guys have been friends for, uh, for many, many years. Cole and Mark. I encourage you to enjoy 
this episode of the Grabbing Lunch podcast. I also encourage you to go to grabbinglunch.com. You can see pictures of my guests, listen to previous episodes, leave comments in the blog uh, postings beneath the episodes, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, at Grabbing Lunch on Twitter, and the Facebook.com is slash Grabbing Lunch. Facebook.com slash Grabbing Lunch. Okay, new episodes come out every other um, week. I may take... Three weeks between the next one because, as I said, I'm going to be in uh, Denver, Colorado doing the High Plains Comedy Festival. But in the meantime, uh, you can listen to previous episodes. This is 76, meaning there are 75 previous ones to that. But nevertheless, without further ado, this is Cole Stratton and Mark Hershon at Izzy's Deli in Santa Monica. Let's eat. You had lunch with Dana Carvey. You had lunch with Dana Carvey. And was, uh, uh, well, yeah, I, I know him real well. You guys go way back? Yeah. Nice. From San Francisco, and I've written with them. Uh, I helped them craft, if you can use that as a term. He's air quoting the fingers, the yes. first draft of uh, his Master of Disguise. Oh, yeah. turned into an absolute piece of shit. Well, you know, well, these things. His words. Right, okay, I understand. <laughs> if you say the thing that the man would have said himself, that's not besmirching. His, that's just his words. Yeah. But the interesting thing is he's been living in Northern California, but he has two sons, and they're both in their early 20s, right. and they are pursuing the dream. Sure. You said coffee, no? Uh, coffee, yes, please. That'd be great. And he has decided to help them do that. So mm-hmm. his house is basically empty in Mill Valley, and uh-huh. he and his wife are renting a big townhouse off of Melrose, mm-hmm. kind of by the Earth Cafe. Great. And then his two boys are in an apartment about four blocks away. Uh-huh. And Thank you, sir. Perfect. Doing open mics and taking UCB classes. And right. Doing the whole thing. With the last name Carvey? With the last name Carvey. Yeah. And to to that point, I actually, uh, I have never met Dana live, but I was doing a show at the Ice House oh, yeah. in Pasadena where he was, you know, the, he, I think he was like, I think my show, my show was like uh, 10 p.m. and he was the 8 p.m. show. Okay. And he was on with his two sons. Jackson they Tom. were kind of the feature acts for him, and yeah. then he went on afterwards. And I think maybe they had another friend uh, as well. Yeah, Jan Karam's been helping them uh, out. Jan, uh-huh. uh, Flip Schultz. Flip, friend of the show. There you go. Yeah, I did Flip and Darren Carter. We uh, oh, okay. we Bob's big boy oh, great. in Burbank. So, um, but the the funny thing was, so he and I met for lunch, and just you know, at his place, and we walked down the street. And his sons came over because they were on their way to this UCB class, and they hadn't written the sketches they were supposed to write. So he and I helped them on the way to class. No, just sitting there in oh, his I place. Oh, I see. I see. Helped them write these two sketches. Which cool. was hilarious. Wow. I have no idea how they went over in class. I'm still waiting to find out. Sure. Well, I didn't. Uh, I didn't want to. Dan is one of those guys that I would just be very, I'd be cool and I'd pretend like uh, it's happened a million times, but I'm a big fan and I, you know. So at the Ice House, I, there was, you know when you're like, try to keep out of the, the corner of one eye. Because have you done the Ice House? Have you been to the Ice House? I've been there a couple times. They have like the green room there for, right. for the performers. Dana didn't hang out in the green room. I think he was, um, maybe he went around the corner or something. Hello. Hi, how are you? How are you? Doing great, thanks. We actually, um, we're waiting for one more uh, to, to join us. Yeah, but uh, thank you. So, um, so he was like, he was staying out of sight. And then I think also too, there's something about, uh, I don't know, society, I don't know what the word is, but when it's just people just like, there he is, I want to get a picture, you know? And it's just like, maybe like five, 10 years ago, Maybe not everyone who saw him had a camera. Now everyone has yeah. a camera. You know? And it gets worse because he he's been doing shows down here at the West Side Comedy Club. I saw that. And I went with him. I was down here a couple months ago. And his wife, the boy's mom, actually came with us, which was a trip because she hadn't seen them work yet. Uh-huh. So that was fun, sitting next to her, watching her watch her boys on stage. What was her reaction? She thought it was great. great. She loved it. Amazing. Um, but there's these assholes that show up outside the room they just have a stack of photos that they just want to sell on eBay. Right. Hey, Dana, Dana, big fan. Can I sign a few pictures for me? They're all identical pictures. Right. They try and get them to do as many as they can before he just kind of waves them off. And it's just... Come on. You're not a you're not a fan. You're a businessman. Yeah. Gold. Strat- and there he is. Yeah, there 
You got two handshakes right in a row. Parking oh, yeah. Yeah. problematic. Boom. Oh, yeah, sure. it's alliteration there. Parking <laughs> problematic. <laughs> good spirits, guys. We're good. Good, good, good. We're recording right now. Wow. This is the this is the show. It's happening in Izzy's belly. Again, I'm climbing up. Uh, Me too. I don't know what to say. It's official. I gotta, I gotta, um... Lox Benedict. Lox Benedict. <laughs> Orange fresh squeezed. These are my lines, right? I'm just reading this. Let me take the second This is a, this is a script, correct? Uh, it's correct. a menu full. It's pretty, it's pretty script, I'm gonna be honest. Right. I will have the English muffin! And this is about a seven or eight page menu here. This is like, this, it's not a menu, it's a manifesto. <laughs> This will get us through the tough times. Sure, yeah, sure. Uh, there was uh, just to button up the the the. We were talking about Dana Carvey and like you know he's doing shows at yeah, Westside now, time, yeah. and he said that people. Uh, Mark was saying people are going out, out in front of the theater with like big stacks of photos. you know sign of photos sign this yeah, that's going straight up to uh, to eBay. Those guys have because I've seen them at like premieres and events. Oh, they're all over Sketchfest. Yeah, they have binders full of anyone that you could possibly. Um, and I'm trying to remember the gentleman's name. I, I don't have it off the top of my head. It is Ed Pagoda. Thank yeah. you very much. Yes. And it's just like because you can go at any time. So people are trying to get them now while they can. Oh yeah. <laughs> when there's no shovel involved, yeah. let's get Abe Pagoda's signature. Um, a, a friend of mine was dating the gentleman who um, I believe he plays the gym coach in Glee, and he's also plays the. Um, uh, on uh, Night at the Museum series, the uh, 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 Genghis Khan, the, the, you know. So I, I don't remember his name, but he was dating a friend of mine, and we were at like some party together. And we come outside, and this guy has pictures of this guy in his like Glee coach uniform, and he just pulls out like six of them from his binder, and he's just like, "Hey, can you stop?" And it's just like, one, how do you know this guy's gonna be here? Two. Why do you have half a dozen pictures of him dressed as the gym coach? Also, who's really going on and trying to buy autographs for coaches tonight? I feel like if you're a teenage girl that's in the Glee, you'd be wanting to get Leah Michelle or yeah. Ray Monteith back in the day or whatever. Right. Chris Colford, not the guy that played coach tonight. Unless you're a completist and you're like, I need to get every single... There's a lot of characters in Glee. Ryan Murphy would just write them on and off whenever he well pleased. So. Right, right. A completist. I had never heard I mean, that. They no, made the full set. Right. Well, yeah. even the, they had the coach's name. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Well, I have seen you see this color? It's me, colored impressed. Uh, yeah. We've also had, like, Ian Brennan is the co-creator of my podcast, and he's paid for both times. So I've right. kind of gotten a little bit of the skinny. And Mike Hitchcock, like, became a consultant producer, writer, uh, director of the show, too. So cool. I get a lot of set stories. Sure, I, I love that. And also, too, it's like show business. Anytime I'm involved in show business in any way, or you hear like a story, or you know a thing, it's just you feel connected and like you're part of the thing. I didn't come prepared to talk about Glee today. Sorry, I just I feel like I'm underdressed. In yeah, a way. yeah. It's it's rare that I have an agenda. <laughs> this time, my agenda's kind of showing through. It's just like right. At some point, reference Glee. All right, I'll try and jump in somehow. We're talking Glee. Know. We're talking My Little Pony. Right. <laughs> Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealer. <laughs> pretty Pretty Pony, the yeah. Cole Stratton Improv group. That's my team. Yes. And then you also do uh, uh, um, Thrill, Thrill Ride. Thrill theme Park. Theme Park, thank you. Yeah. I saw you guys at uh, uh, Bridgetown, and it was so great. It was fun. Fucking it's like we never do amazing. it in L.A., even though almost all of us live here. But we'll go and we'll do... You have to go far away to actually Yeah, it's happen. like the idea is that, like, oh, let's go to some destination town and hang out. They'll cover our airfare and hotel because they need to. Right. <laughs> and um, we'll just hang out. Right. It's, yeah, it's good. It's nice. And there's also, there's an element of, like, when you leave Los Angeles, there are people who would like, hey, there's a comedy show. Yeah. We should, there's a, they're doing comedy, you know, and in here, <laughs> people, people just, like things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always had the you idea of like, doing a solo show here and passing out, like, clipboards and lab coats to every single person when they can't come in for the audience, because that's what it feels like half the time. Uh, yeah, right. So they might as well make it official. Right. And then tell them to scribble down notes periodically. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, I see. Okay, I, I see. Just, I would. Hey. hey. There. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I think I'm ready. I haven't looked at the menu, but I think I'm ready. Well, odds are whatever you throw out there is on this, so okay. you'll get lucky. A pancake breakfast? 
Do you have a pancake breakfast special? I didn't see the menu. Is there? What, what do you? Just a pancake? Just a yeah, pancake, eggs, bacon. Is there some kind of? Yes, we have. Okay. How do you? There's a look on your face that said like I've never heard of pancakes. No, I don't no, no, we okay. have. Okay. How, how do you um, like your eggs? Scrambled. Because one egg out there. And um, could I get sausage for the... Okay. Yeah. So you're going to get three pancakes? Let's do egg, three pancakes, one, one egg, egg, and two sausage. I love it. Okay. Yeah, for okay. here. Okay. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Terrible. Hopefully. Uh, can I do the uh, best locks and cream cheese on oh, a bagel? Okay. What and, kind uh, of bagel do you like? Just a uh, plain one's fine. Okay. And a Coke. Could I get Claudia's large bowl of steamed vegetables, please? Whoa, Claudia has steamed vegetables, right? And a, My side, goodness. And a side of bacon. Wow, that's just to completely negate the vegetables. Thank you. I'm on this diet where that's actually optimum for what I'm eating. How so? Do tell. It is a high protein, low carb diet. Uh huh. And when I go to restaurants, it's very hard to find things that don't have a whole lot of carbs in them. Interesting. I'm still working on the house the Mountain Dew built. <laughs> As he pats his belly. Oh, really yeah. Love oh, yeah. All yeah. the secrets are in there. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> well, Mountain Dew is going to be the new uh, uh, NBA drink. That's the thing they're going to push to the forefront. Instead of Pepsi and Coke, they're like, yep, NBA, Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew. Really? Yeah, Maryland. Um, How do you get the inside line? When on you're that? going for personal numbers and a high Dew. salary, <laughs> take Mountain Dew. Uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Team game, schmeen game, Mountain Dew. <laughs> I've given up on the NBA. Like I used to, like I'm from Detroit, thank you. And so I watch all my Detroit teams pretty religiously. Like I watch almost every Tigers game, every Lions game, every Red Wings game. As much as I can, I have the sports packages. Like I'm not going to obsess over other things in life happen. It's fine. Right. But I watch them if I'm just home and I'm around. Right. But I finally like just stopped renewing the NBA package because I just got impossible for me to watch. Because like after the Pistons went through their whole like championship with like all the cast off players from other teams, it was a real team game, <laughs> right. balls and all those guys. And then it's like they run it Allen Iverson for a season, they got rid of Chauncey Billups, and it was just kind of like, uh-oh. Then after that, it just became, they're, they're impossible to watch. And then I just find in general, I just don't, can't get in the NBA anymore. Just, no, did you see the bad boys, the ESPN, the 30 for 30 no, or the 60? No, I want to see that, though. It's okay. The thing is, I hate those guys. I hate those guys. And when someone embraces just like, yeah, they, they like Bill Lambeer. Fucking hate Bill Lambeer. He's just, even when they, he was like playing, he was just, they'd, they'd foul him, they'd like tackle him, and just like, what? What'd I do? It was difficult to watch. No, but ba basketball's the big orange round ball, right? No, 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 no. You're thinking of water polo. Ah, <laughs> ah, sorry. <laughs> That's golf. Sorry. Okay, That's cool. Not a, cool. Not a sports fan. Cool. No, I understand. Uh, I like sports, you know. No, sports. Many people do. Yeah, it's, it's a great way to bond with strangers, Take too. It to sure. But if you're like a performer, a lot of them don't. I know. So right? you'll start to do like sports ball. <laughs> so, like, I'm trying to remember who put out the tweet. It's like, is there anything more uncool as a comedian that enjoyed sports? And people like have fave. And like, ah, retweet. <laughs> it's true. I, my favorite part is you just, you don't know what's going to happen. And then even if you're watching something scripted like a comedy or a drama, you can you can like develop yeah. theories like I don't know. Plus, it's an interest you can take everywhere, and you can con True. converse with people. Yeah, you know, regardless know. of whether they're rivals or not. Right. I, I don't know what's going to happen on sitcoms most of the time. Chance are going to get his jacket back? I don't know. There's going to be a misunderstanding at some point. Yeah, odds are someone's going to be about to knock on a door. They're going to overhear I, something. I'll but tell you. I don't know what they're going to overhear. At right. the ten thousand foot view, I'll tell you right away. It's a kind of a spoiler alert. Nothing will change. Nothing. Will change. Well, my favorite part things is may happen. things will go back to one for yeah, the next yeah, episode. Yeah. Things may happen, but oh, nothing no. will change. Reset. Yeah. <laughs> oh. My favorite is they always, anytime there's eavesdropping in sitcoms, it, they happen to walk in exactly at the moment they're talking about the thing that exactly deals with it. How does that happen? My least favorite lazy Tiny. writing thing in the world, especially like in tropes, kids' movies and stuff, like in the Shrek movies, it's always like, I'm gonna go tell her I love her. Uh, and then she just says something out of context that yes. really isn't bad, but then he just hears that and then walks away. And I'm That's, like, ugh. Uh, like Jenny, my wife, has often said that in the Toy Story movies, if they just listen to Woody for five minutes, <laughs> just give Woody you listen, nothing happens. Right. I'm going to tell my parents I don't want to go to college. You know, we're so proud that you're going to college. What did you want to talk about? Right. Uh, I heard a great riff by Dana Gould about um, uh, 
what was it now? It was, uh, oh, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. He says if you really look at that movie, Indiana Jones didn't have to be in the film at all because his job was to get the Ark of the Covenant and keep it away from the Nazis, and he failed. If he just hadn't gotten in the way, it would have gone all the way to Hitler. He would have opened the box. There would have been no World War II. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> ah. There you go. He's, they're making another one now. It feels like Harrison Ford is doing all the movies he said he'd never do again right before he retired. Now, is he doing it, but they have somebody else doing it? Well, I think he's a part of it. Yeah, they originally were like, you could tell in that Crystal Skull debacle yeah. that they were grooming Shia LaBeouf to take over. It's going to be like the Mutt series, and I'm like, guess what? No one likes it That's right. for him. So now, I, what's the rumor? Chris Pratt? I've heard. Well, people, there, yeah, there's no, there's nothing official. Someone yeah. told me uh, Cole, Cole Stratton's up really? today. Really? Uh, <laughs> 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 How's it in the Monster Museum. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like Chris Pratt's like he's the hot thing course, right now. So sure. it was Chris Pine a year ago. That yeah, was right. Right. Pattinson was running. Yeah, right. So like whoever the new golden it boy is. Yeah. I mean Pratt's perfect in the sense that he gets the humor side of it. Yeah. And he's still chiseled and all that. Right. So he would be good right. in that role. Or who's the guy from? Uh, uh, who's in the Fantastic Four? Who's in Whiplash? The name oh, is yeah, yeah. Miles Teller. Yeah. Miles Teller. Let's get him in. It feels like there's only like. Between three and five people who are allowed to be at a thing at any time. I think it goes well, for comedy a, too. Just because Hollywood that's, executives can't hold more than that in their hands right, right. at the time. And then I'm sure there's something out there where people are like pushing for like, Idris Elba to be. It's always like, yeah. let's have a black version, but it's always Idris Elba. That's what it always is. <laughs> Which he's great, but it's just funny to me that you always see that thing. It's like, Idris Elba can't play every iconic that's, role. That's right. right. The right. stringer bell, that's enough. Right. It's <laughs> just amazing what, in that. We'll walk away. We'll walk away. <laughs> What if we reimagined it? Uh, is it yes. Oh, or a reboot, which is my least favorite thing. But like, hey, let's make this exact same movie in another two years, but with different people. That's right, like, and it'll be an origin story, right. just so people know where the character <laughs> came from. Thank God, with this third Spider-Man reboot, oh. it's not going to be an origin story. But they're not making him a teenager, which is like, all right, I guess that's long overdue. That's something. And Marissa Tomei is Aunt May or whatever. Really? Yeah. Which yeah. Is like, sexy read that. hot Aunt May. But it's just funny to me. It's like now you're saying that someone of Marissa Tomei's age in Hollywood is your old yes. <laughs> Aunt May oh category now. Well, did you read that thing about Maggie Gyllenhaal? Yes. Where they're like, yeah. they're like, she can't. She's too old to be. Yeah. Like a, yeah, her, her husband is like thirty an years. Al Pacino or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. She's a little old. That was my biggest uh, gripe about the Batman movies. Just like, all right, so um, Aaron Eckhart and uh, Christian Bale are, are fighting for her affections. Okay. Yeah, but pretty soon. Whatever they, you say, Hollywood. Yeah. Pretty you know. soon they won't even hire like Katie Holmes or Maggie Gyllenhaal. It'll just be like sperm. Right. <laughs> and that'll be. And they'll still say it's too old. Let's swim in for a few minutes. She's a little too. I don't know. You don't know when, sex yet. When did this bird come out? Oh, oh, <laughs> last week. Yeah. <laughs> That's been on the shelf for a while, so... <laughs> it's, a, it's actually Glenn Ford's sperm. It's yeah. frozen. Ooh. It's been frozen. It's <laughs> Finally, he's waiting for his comeback role. Mm -hmm. That's right. No one knew. Yeah, that's right. You got a big softball game today? You're already wearing your Detroit Tigers jersey. Right, softball stuff. Yeah, it's a scrimmage today, the actual season read begins. Where is it? Uh, nearby, 14th and Olympic. Mm -hmm. uh, Can we come watch? If you want to. Um, yeah, it's just some some of the usual players scrimmaging. It's good to just get out there. Who are the usual around. players? Anyone we know? Just a mixture of Santa Monica comics. <laughs> Santa, Santa Monicans. Monicans. I love that. <laughs> the mayor. There's a few people the there. Because Eric Garcetti will be there. Yeah, he'll be there. Because it is in LA sports league, there are like actors and screenwriters and stuff that play sure. on these teams. Like Mackenzie Aston plays. You know, I've become friends with him. Mm -hmm. um, Eastside Morales, not in this league, but I saw him in another one. I know Eastside. Yeah. They're amazing. He's a great guy. It's just funny to see these people, like one of the Ritters, like Tyler Ritter, who's on one of those new shows. He's a shortstop in one of the like lower league teams. And it's just funny because you don't really know until it's either pointed out to you. You're like, I going to recognize that dude. Because cool. yeah. they're just wearing sports gear. Hey, they're like, just like us. Right. right. They're just like us. Yeah, there's us weekly photographers there putting up uh, photos of them. <laughs> sure, the people with the, uh, the portfolios of headshots yeah. ready to pull up. <laughs> I'm in a uh, basketball league that's all stand-up comics. There's ten, there's ten teams, and they're all made up of comedians. 
actually so it's are... the opposite of stand up there's a lot of setups with no finishing <laughs> that's right a lot of assists yep. but no real slam dunks we kind of tepid the Peter off kind of thing uh-huh. it was I swear it was the most exciting sports moment I've ever been a part of we, we my team played for the championship last Monday um, the short version is we were in overtime uh, we were down by two there were six seconds left. We took the ball out from underneath our own basket. Our point guard dribbled across half court, was about five feet back from the three-point line, threw up a three. As the ball was going through, buzzer, drained it, we won the championship. Wow. It was, it was like uncontrolled, like jumping up and down and hugging the guy. You don't get that as an adult male very often. You don't. You know? my, one of yeah. the teams that I'm on, I'm on a bunch of teams, but the one that I managed, we won our championship like two seasons ago, and it was like not supposed to happen because a couple of my like the best players were out of town. Dark horse. And like we went up like just being like whatever, we'll just play like. And there were six women, four guys a particular week because you play five and five, five guys, five girls, but you can play more women than men. You just can't play more men than women like that. And so it was like six girls, four guys, which is usually not a very good recipe in these leagues. Um, but, you know, the women are pretty good on our team or whatever, so and I'm not saying this to be sexist at all. I'm just saying. Sure. There's these guys. Let's just call trying and sexist. These big, like, jock dudes who can hit wherever they want, and they right. just look to where they think the, like, the holes are on the field and hit there. Um, but we saw, we won our first round game, and they got to the championship game, and I was like, whatever, let's just not, this team's really good, let's not worry about it. And I was pitching because I'm like the third string pitcher on, on the team, usually in the outfield. But the two other pitchers were out of town. Right. I was like, all right, I guess I got to do this. I haven't done this in a while. I think that I was accurate enough. It was fine. But I remember being like up two runs going into the bottom of the thing. I'm like, oh, wow. And this, the best hitters are coming up. And they had two runners on. And basically a single would play them. And they would tie the game. And then if they score one more, they win. Right. And uh, I threw a pitch in my shortstop. So pretty good athlete he's playing up the middle a little bit guy just drills a ball up the middle and he dives and catches it on the fly wow the end that was the championship and we're like oh did you jump up and down and have the whole thing it was just I think I just had like Jenny said I had a shit eating grin on my face (laughs) I was just like I just didn't expect it I think maybe we did well because we played loose and we didn't expect it like we bullied the underdog and this like we were the four seed I think because it's the top four that make it and I know we are the three seed we beat the two seed somehow and then I had to play the one seed and I couldn't believe it worked out that way yeah that's probably my favorite thing about baseball and like that type of thing there's no clock there's no um, you play until the game's over. Yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of things are clock management. It's just like, all right, we just hold on to the ball, and then if they can't get it from us in the next twenty seconds, we win. It's just like a baseball bit of that players they just go out there and hit and try and do everything until three outs. That's one of the reasons baseball's fallen off its popularity because everyone has gotten so used to everything being timed. Everything Maybe. they watch, everything they do, every activity has a time limit and a thing. And right. baseball does have this weird amorphous timelessness to it. You know, if you t- keep tying, the game can go on and on and on. Yeah. And nothing about the game has changed since they were playing it at the turn of the century. Actually, little things change every year, but they're little things. This right. year, like they're trying to speed the game up because there's a lot of the pitching like, clock thing. Like, yeah, the pitching clock thing. Because there's a lot of like, okay, the the pitch. They play these little mind games with each yes. other, where the batter steps out of the batter's box mm-hmm. and then gets time. And then the pitcher steps off the mound and keeps going back and forth. And throw it, and then they throw it to first base to keep the runners not going anywhere, anyway. Yes. Right. And it's just like this one pitch hasn't happened in like four minutes. Right. Just anybody do anything, please. Right. <laughs> right. So now they put in this pitching clock thing that means basically you have like 30 seconds total for whatever for the person to get in the box for you to throw the pitch yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. And if you don't, you get fined, theoretically, by the league. If you, if you don't swing at a pitch, you're not supposed to be able to step out of the box. you got to stay in. If you follow it off where you swing, you can step out, but otherwise right. you just got to stay in there to try to speed it up. Yeah. And it has sped things up a That's little right. bit. Not anything major. It might take like three minutes off a game in the end of it or something. Right, right. Now it's four hours and 26 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> Way to go, MLB. Right. I um I almost did an Instagram video of it because I was watching the Dodgers game the other night and they actually picked off a guy at first base. And I was just like, well, I may have seen that four times in my life. Happens since occasionally. Ever. Occasionally, yeah. but most of the time they, they throw it over you like, boo, and it's just... Uh, <laughs> Once you start in the motion, you, you got to do it or whatever. So, like, then they'll just, like, lob it over. Like, well, now you're wasting everybody's time. That's not going to get the guy off. I know you're trying to do, you're trying to keep him close, but, like, 
And half the time it's like this big dude is not going anywhere anyway. It's like, no. pay attention to the game. Let me check. You're killing me. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely yep. killing me. Yeah, but it's just so boring. Yeah, I went to a game. It was um, my... We got my dad tickets to an Angels game for his birthday, and my brother and his son went. It was a one-hit game. It was the quickest game I ever went to in my entire life. It was probably an hour and 50 minutes. Yeah. There was one hit. It was a home run, and then the rest of it was just... Out, 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 out. I did go to, and I've said this before on other things, but I was at the uh, Oakland A's 20th win in that one season that was dramatized in Moneyball. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, because I used to live in Barry for a long time, on this guy, and uh, they, it was, like, not hard to get tickets to the Coliseum, and all, but it's huge, no, and right. the fans suck, so, like, it's <laughs> right. just, like, it's, it's, easy. it's never hard. In fact, if you watch Moneyball, it's, it's, the stands are often empty. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's it's it's really an accurate is. representation. Yes, right. they, like, yeah. they adore that's their funny. giants, and they pretend that the A's don't exist. It's no, unless they, they get into the championship. Right. Then all of a sudden, they care. Right. So I've been here the whole time. It's the Warriors fans, too. Exactly. Oh, yeah, totally. They're putting together this 21. When does it all of a sudden people started to care because this doesn't happen? Because every team has an off day or whatever. Um, so we were there at that, and that was that weird game where like they went up super big early, like they were up like 13 to nothing or 13 whatever. Um, I think it's against the Royals, and they just chipped away as the game went, and they tied it up going into the ninth or whatever. So it actually got dramatic, like uh oh. And that's when Scott Hatterberg hit his like walk off home run. Yeah. It was like, and it was bedlam at the. It was like 20 minutes of people losing their <laughs> oh, minds. That's cool. And they had like streamers and stuff set up and fireworks. It was like, the 20th win. They were looking yeah, forward to right. it. But like, I've never been somewhere where people just like lost their minds for a good solid 20 minutes. Wow, it's that's crazy. Amazing. Yeah. That's and there's great. no cars to set on fire inside the stadium. That's what's nice about it. Right? So, so that's the downside. Right. But other than that, I it was wanted to like, I, I wanted to throw a trash can through a window, and I wasn't allowed to. Right. Sometimes uh, I wanted to steal a box of Pampers. Right. And, uh, nothing, Some, yeah. yeah. Sometimes when mayhem is kept from you, it just steals right. the moment. Right. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you very much. This looks great. Thank you. Could I actually get another cup of coffee? There's a lot of grounds at the bottom of that one. Yeah, that's okay. Thanks. It's because you offer your enough menu. I did. I did. <laughs> that's how they punish. Isn't yeah. that uh, Danny DeVito in uh, Get Shorty? They never order what's on the menu. <laughs> Just give me an egg white, yeah. you know, scrambled. My favorite part of that is uh, he went and had a meeting with the producers. He's like, I haven't had I haven't had time to read the script, but here's what I'm thinking. Yes. <laughs> Just like, uh, yeah. Perfect. That's always great to watch. There's always a couple of great Hollywood movies to watch. There's that one, and then there's um, the Kevin Bacon one. Big picture. Big picture. Big picture. Which is just great. All the tropes that they have in there about usually the executives. Those are the best. Right. Right. Yeah, the player is pretty good for that too. Yeah, the player. Yeah, yeah. classic. Anytime I go on Paramount, the Paramount lot, I'm always like, I'm on the Paramount lot. I never, I never get tired of going there and walking around. I actually shot something there last week. Uh, that Y with Hannibal Burris has a new Comedy Central show, so shot a couple sketches for him. But just the the history, and I love it. I was pitching a movie once with executive at Paramount, and I was shown into. Wow! Thank you. Thank you. And a big steaming bowl oh, of vegetables. Yeah. That's right. Amazing. It's Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, That's every vegetable in the city. I hope that is all of them. Yeah. Congrats, Mark. Thank you. Yeah, you, you did it. Really did. You did it. Uh, me and the guy uh, we were work, uh, that I was working with we were ushered into Sherry Lansing's office. Hello, like, hello. Why are we meeting Sherry? We, I thought we were meeting somebody else. Like, oh, we just wanted you to see her office. What? She's not and in there. And then we were shown out. Wow. Yeah, she wasn't even in town. What was impressive about her office? Just, Did you just have a like stapler? How many staplers? Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask that, but I didn't want to see Three staplers? Wow. Three staple offices. Serious <laughs> office. With great power comes great responsibility. Absolutely. Right. Here's her thing. Three staplers. No staple remover. Mm -hmm. She's like, once it's stapled. It's done. It's done. It is a done deal, my friend. What are you looking for? Everybody? I'm looking for a little butter. It's On not the backside the, of your... Oh, hello, hello. Yeah. We all knew where it Sorry was. Sorry to pause after I said backside. That's okay. <laughs> and you find it funny, though, like, I think I've been on most of the lots at this point, and it's always, like, a trip. But I realize it's, like, 
one of the things that drew me to LA is because I love movies, I love the entertainment industry in general. Like, me too. I like driving around and seeing build, every billboard yes. pretty much is for a movie or whatever, whereas in other towns it's for like legal services. Or you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? 100%. Brown so oil, liquor. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but then I wonder like, there are people that live in this town that don't want to do anything. Uh-oh. And then I was like, why are you here? Like, no. I don't, it's not. It's crowded, it's expensive. Exactly. What's going on? I don't understand why you would be here if you don't like, there's people that like deplore it, that yeah. hate it. And I was like, then go anywhere else. Right, that's right. right. You can live a lot cheaper. Yeah, you can go back to New York and you can have your pizza. <laughs> I just, um, you know, my wife is first generation American and her mother immigrated here from Hungary. So just yesterday, well, the day before yesterday, we were entertaining her cousins from Hungary, her first cousins. They came out here, they had never been to America before, wow. let alone Los Angeles. And we just did the works for like a week. We went to, oh, I didn't take them, but they, they went to Disneyland. We went to a Sparks game at the Staples Center. These The Hungarians love the Lakers. So just being at the Staples Center was like, oh. took them to Lake Hollywood. We went to Hollywood Boulevard, Sunset. Um, one of my, my brother-in-law, uh, his name is Alan, and he is one of the owners of Legacy Studios, which is basically, he, he used to work at Stan Winston, and when Stan Winston passed away, he did like Jurassic Park and Terminator and all that stuff. He passed away, and four of his managers bought all of his oh. equipment, and they set up their shingle as legacy effects. Okay. So they do Iron Man and all those movies. So wow. they took them to the shop, and they were just minds. like, <laughs> went to Venice Beach, Santa Monica, they boogie boarded, they caught waves. And, there's, it's and, they, the and they where, never went home. And they never went home. They're in my luggage. Right? <laughs> let's bring them out. Let's bring them out here, ladies and gentlemen. Pishti, Agi, Gabor, Juji, and Polly. And now they have their own reality show. And now they, they're here. It's so I was telling my friend I was... Uh, Hungary for Hollywood. <laughs> oh, no. That's probably what it would be called. I'm ready for that. I was talking to a friend about it. I was like, yeah, I have my family in town from... Uh, and I, I told him their names. He's like, how do you remember all that? He was just like, well, it's just their names. It's not the language. It's not different words. But he was like so blown away. I, I don't, don't speak, speak foreign names. I don't speak foreign names. <laughs> Listen, Cole, I just do... English names only. But you can pick somebody out that you speak the language by just repeating their names over and over in different sure. combinations. Sure. And also, the first <laughs> l- word I learned in any language is why. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just anytime someone asks you, why? That's yeah. <laughs> how I got through France. You know? <laughs> My Pourquoi? Whole thing. Pourquoi? When I was in junior high, I thought it would be better. Like, I don't want to be known as a tourist when you go anywhere. It's better sure, to be a local than a tourist, Absolutely. Right? So my whole thought was, I'm not going to be able to learn languages, but if I learn one random weird phrase in all these <laughs> languages, you'll get more respect being a crazy local oh. than a tourist. So I tried to learn the, the cat is in the refrigerator yes. in as many languages as I could. So that, that you know, like I'm in German, I'm like the cat sits in the kühlschrank or whatever. And just you just repeat that, and mumble it. <laughs> wow. They'll leave you alone because you're you're crazy local. Interesting. You're not a tourist. Now, now my trick for doing that because I also don't like, like appearing as a tourist, but I'm just talking about traveling around America. Is I have this thing, and I actually told the co-author of my book this. I call the catch and release program, where you get there and you go to a secondhand store. And you look for local t-shirts for places that they've been washed several times and well used right. and you wear those around <laughs> and so you don't look like a tourist because you're wearing a used t-shirt right. and then so you get t-shirts and some pants and then you donate them back to the second hand store when you leave town so you pack very light when you travel right. and you look local everywhere you go genius hey this guy's wearing a Spurs world championship team this guy's a San Antonio that's local. right Make that's right team. what if you're like in a terrible area where it's just like all white supremacy stuff like do you buy that <laughs> <laughs> you want to, believe me, you want to appear local. <laughs> That's the best time to do it. I'm going to return these sheets. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't speak Hungarian, but the, the, the phrase that I learned and would say all the time is Ejekirtek, uh, which means I agree with you. That's you perfect. Know? So anytime yeah. somebody says something, oh, Ejekirtek, you know, <laughs> who's going to argue with that? Like, Until you hear the phrase from the else, that guy's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I hate you, Matt. Like, I agree with I you. I agree with you. Believe me, I have to live with myself all the time. So all deep. day long. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where 
mm -hmm. people that come in from out of town and you do all the stuff that you would that's around you all the time it's you know you're not a tourist in your own city until no. you bring somebody else in and no, then you're like this is great no, it's like when people come to san francisco i never go to alcatraz or fisherman's wharf or anything else but when you have friends or family <coughs> What am I gonna do with these people for three days? Right. I still haven't like when I lived in the Bay Area for a good ten years. I never went to Alcatraz. I caught Alcatraz after Alcatraz uh, after being done Alcatraz. <laughs> but I, I've never went to Alcatraz. Really? Not one time. I went to Pier Thirty Nine and things like that, but I just never it just seemed like a to do. Oh, I gotta go on a ferry. Yeah. Right. Gotta buy a ticket. Gotta yeah. time it out. Yeah, um, I used to be uh, a merchant marine, and uh, we would—that would be one of the stops we'd go into, like San Francisco. And this is before I had really spent any time there, but I would just like go to like—we'd end up in Oakland. And I'm like Jack London Square. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna check this out. Um, but yeah, we try and definitely pack pack stuff in. I still go up there probably like once a year. I think I did Sketchfest last year and was up there and brought my wife. And um, we always stay at the Marines Memorial. Hotel, mm -hmm. you know, hotel. A friend of mine's father. You got a deal is, there because you're a merchant marine background. <clears throat> well, no, but they give me the active members uh, mm -hmm. rate because my friend, uh, her father is uh, General Myatt, oh, who wow. runs the hotel, and so he uh, will always, you know, give us a good guy. So I went up there and uh, oh, took great. my wife, and they put us up in a nice. And then also too. At the bar at the at the hotel, at the, have you ever been to the Marines Memorial? Yeah. That bar, like from like five to eight, they have like a happy hour and oh, you can okay. kind of hang yeah. out. Yeah. It's one of my favorite cities. He's a theater there for the last four or five years. We love it. Mm -hmm. It's one of the only like mid-sized theaters in town. Everything's either like a black box or like a thousand seats. There's like very little. <laughs> yes. Six hundred-ish things in the in between. And a thousand seat black box, even harder. To really weird. They're really hard. They're really long. Really long. Narrow. <laughs> you guys have always oh, putting on one man shows. Yeah. Oh my god. You guys have like the fifteenth annual coming up, right? Isn't yeah. This year, Sketchfest. Amazing. It's a little, a little scary this year. We had to go a little earlier because the Super Bowl's in the Bay Area. Oh right. Oh, I forgot else. about that. It's stupid. It's like. You wouldn't think it would affect anything because a it's in Santa Clara, like mm -hmm. it's not even in San Francisco proper. That's like, right. The Santa Clara 49ers. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> basically. So and you know for like this season, Oakland and, and San Francisco aren't gonna be in it. They're still rebuilding. Wait, what? Yeah, they should actually <laughs> rename the team local to the area, the Santa right. Clara Startups. I think would be. Yeah, yeah that'd right. be good. Good just name. Just put five dollars on both of the teams now, and you know, just exactly. parlay. It was... <laughs> Since that's like happening, and that's not until February 7th or whatever. Mm -hmm. Normally we would go like January 23rd through February 7th, or, like that would be we would close on that day. Uh huh. And um, usually it's like Super Bowl's like a week before that, and like in our middle weekend we'd have a dark day on a Sunday to avoid it. And it's, it's a good like break for us halfway through the festival, that whole thing. So it's always worked out. But it's never been in the Bay Area, and it won't be there again for 30 plus years or whatever. Right. After this, but because it's there, not only is there like no hotel availability for a week on either side of it. Wow. That. And if there is, the rates are ridiculous. They're yeah. ridiculous anyways in San Francisco, but right. these are crazy. Right. Even the venues we use, like, like the Punchline and Cobbs, are like, oh, we're keeping it free for private parties and stuff like that. So wow. that way, like, you know, people's, the, the trainers from the Dolphins want to have a, a party. <laughs> right. And a comedy show. Yeah. <laughs> you guys set that up. Right. So all that stuff. So, like, we were like, oh, we can either go after or we can go before and just wait a lot of things and decided before was better. So we're about two weeks earlier than we usually would go. Cool. Like January 7th to the 23rd or whatever. Mm -hmm. Which is good in some ways, but also bad because you're just coming out of the holiday yes. hangover. So like, you know, January 2nd or 3rd or whatever is when people get back to normal life and then we open like four or five days later, which to me is not cool to not have that built in a couple weeks after that to get people a chance, yeah. a chance to, um, that'd be great thank you very much a chance to save up their uh, exp their uh, expendable income right exactly <laughs> or what they think is expendable until yeah. they retire bro sure. that's right, right. <laughs> thank you yeah that's what's hard about it is like we used to be earlier than we have been we used to be about January 14th or whatever so we kind of pushed a little later mostly based on availability of the Castro due to other festivals yeah. oh. like Noir City and some German thing that they have every year. So that's like when we can get it, it's like the last weekend of the festival, so we push it, whatever. So, I don't know, I'm a little little leery, but it is 15 years and we've been doing very well for several, so One I of my feel favorite like we'll be fine. But, up there, yeah. but it's still a little like, yeah, different, it's different. Right. 
I just saw, thank you, uh, Janet Varney um, last week, two weeks ago. You ever um, heard of or done the Friday 40, Dave Holmes show? Yeah, she was on that with uh, Jimmy Pardo at Nerdmouth. So I was just like, had a show and then like mopped over afterwards and, you know. JV. Well, I know all these crazy kids before they started Sketchfest. How did you guys do an improv? Or? I drafted and I were lovers in the war. Yeah. Okay, yes. go on, go on. Yes. Hold on, let me make sure I'm the recording. Qu- check, is, check, the check. The question is, which war? Which war? <laughs> it was the War of 1812. <laughs> the War of the Sexes. You guys look great. But uh, no, I, I, uh, I drafted young Cole right out of uh, college for uh, the house improv group at Cobb's Comedy Club. Cool. The Riffingtons. The Riffingtons. Oh. We went up at the end of a, on Wednesday nights, right? No, Monday nights. Monday nights. We opened the week. Remember. You're right. It's at the end of a three-hour stand-up showcase. Yes. yes. <laughs> a very hard stand-up showcase to get on. That people would call in around yes. six o'clock or whatever. <laughs> That's right. And then Tom or Ben, after a while, but at the time Tom, the club owner, would pick up the phone and go like, "Hey," and the comic would be like, "Joe Close," and be like, "Nope." Yeah. Hang up or whatever. You he just was, say their name and they say yes, yes or no. Yes. Wow. Wow. Uh, and then you That's get more there. Hollywood than Hollywood. You get there and nope. you find out when you're on, how much time you were doing. That's right. But it was part of my 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 secret formula for getting an improv group into a comedy club is there's always at least one person who's a die-hard wannabe improviser working at the club. In this case, it was the owner of the club, Tom right. Sawyer. Right. So he became, he, mm-hmm. he became a member of the Riffingtons. Amazing. That's genius. <laughs> I say this all the time. Uh, I don't know a lot of people, because I, I do stand-up and improv. I do them uh-huh. both. Uh, I don't know a lot of people that straddle both sides of the fence, but I know a lot of people who want to straddle both sides of the fence. You just like like Im- improv groups, and there's like six guys, but one of them you can just tell it's like, oh, if I was just up there by myself, this would be going so much better. Yeah, no, I, I used to run a group down here when Santa Monica Improv was in operation years ago, and it got hired. Was that Jeff and Jane? That look means no. That's Jeff okay. Carry on. No, this was uh, um, Jane Morris and Jeff. Never mind. It's not. Oh, I, I thought it was adding to your story, but instead oh, of no. I derailed it. That's okay. No, um, that's fine. Uh, Santa Monica Improv Group. So, yeah, it was. I got um, asked by uh, Bud Friedman and Mark Lano. Amazing. Can you put an improv group together for us for Santa Monica? So I said okay. And half the group were, were stand-ups that did improv. People like Jeff Joseph, Scott LaRose, uh, Dennis Blair. Steve Smith. The other half were all died in the world improvisers. And within six months, all the improvisers had quit because they couldn't take the kind of shark prop that was going on where that race for the punchline. Find the, find the punchline. And we would do when we were had the when we had the show at Cobbs, we would get booked twice a year to be the MC and middle act for a headliner. That was our reward for working for free on Monday nights all year long. Cool. And, and uh, the New Year's Eve thing. And the New Year's Eve, yeah, New Year's Eve. So he, if, if like uh, Greg Proops or Rick Overton would headline, and then we'd come up and do improv with them. Great. At midnight, like after yeah. the After countdown. the shows, yeah. Those guys are amazing improvisers, for Proops, sure. Actually, Proops, after the New Year's show one year, that told me to move to L.A., that that's yeah. kind of clinched it for me, because I was considering it at the time. And he was like, you gotta go down there, you kill it. You're super funny and fast, like, you gotta go down. And I'm like, okay, Mr. Proops. Yeah. And then I get a vouch from a guy like that. And, you know. and Proops is another guy. When I I had been running a comedy club in Seattle for a couple of years, but I was working for a, a company that booked the punchline in these clubs down here, out of Mill Valley. And I'd gone up there just to run the club for a couple of years. And I came back down and I'd learned how to do improv up there. I got into the theater sports program because they needed a place to play, so we had a dark night. And, Comedy Underground. So I said, "You guys can play here, but you've got to teach me how to do improv." So I spent three years learning how to do it. When I moved down, they had a house group at the Punchline, and I became the director just because they said we need the. They were it was being produced by the Foxes who ran the club, so we want to have an inside eye on what's going on with the group. So we're going to make you the director. So I'm directing people that are like have like ten years experience over me, and we ended up adopting. Greg Proops and Michael McShane, who were in a group called Faultline, which had fallen apart. So they, they were like orphans. So they joined our group. So right. I was like playing with these guys, you know, way before they went off to do Who's Line. Right, that right. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just you say something and then you say one line and then you stop talking. Yes. And then you listen. That's like, <laughs> yeah. if I would, if anyone ever said, like, how would you teach a class? Like, 
Say one thing and then shut up. That's it. Well, that's what I teach, tell my improv students. Just say something and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. But what was funny about the Remingtons was, you know, we do about a 20-minute-ish set at the end, like about 11 o'clock. And we do short-form games. We usually open them with freeze tag. Yeah, or story or close story. Close with a story story, yeah. We do like an interview Classics. course. Classics. Oh, yeah. It's like a party course, but we do it as if you're interviewing for a job. Mm-hmm. And so it was like me and Mark, and then people went in and out, but uh, Tom Sawyer, Joe Klosik was in it for quite a while. Because he was a stand-up and... and Tom said, well, you know what, he, and he was trying to get stage time as a stand-up, said, you know what, we need an extra body in the group, why don't you join the Riffingtons? He had no experience None. whatsoever, but in order to get that stage time, he said, if I get in good with Tom, and it worked. Yep. It worked. Uh, Joe Rocha, mm-hmm. Rocha, Christina Marie, oh, yeah. um, my friend gave Yanni a little bit, yeah. um, but the thing about Tom was... He made no secret if he did not like something happening on stage or in a scene. If you, and I love Tom to death, and if you listen to this, Tom, I love you. What he would do is like, if you're like doing a scene and you would make, like, I was on his good side, so like, I was kind of exempt from this, I right. think, most of the time. But if somebody else was a guest performer or something he wasn't sure about, made a choice he didn't like, he would visibly roll his eyes and go like, oh. Yes. <laughs> like in the scene and then try to continue it you know mm-hmm. so like the other guy would be like uh, hey Bill I'm afraid uh, you've uh, you've got a terrible disease and he'd be like <sighs> okay what what do I have like, so like, level with me <laughs> that's always killed me it's yeah there's but it was fun and then we did a handful of shows like in the like Silicon Valley for startups where we were startups.com. Yeah, we, we had a, a different name. Games. We would do corporate dates as startups.comedy. Right. And this, was, this is when dot com was just happening, so it seemed really hip. Right. right. Before that improv group went bust. Yeah. But it was funny because we would do this duo act because Cole was also part of this sketch group called Totally False People. Mm-hmm. With, you know, the people that run Sketchfest plus Gabe Diani. And uh, Gabe's mom ran the Rooster Tea Feathers Club in Sunnyvale. And she would book us. Been there a couple times. She would book our group, our two groups, to, to basically co-headline one week a month for like twelve months in a row. Wow! Where we'd we have a whole. It was That's nuts. amazing. It was nuts. And people didn't get like doing sketch on a stand-up stage. Talk about the worst. <laughs> oh my god! And like I remember they got a phone call once. Uh, <laughs> I have a meeting. There's a sketch that Janet had written that she's you know used to be Mormon. And it's kind, oh, of, know that. it's kind of scathing uh-huh. the Mormon religion. It's called the procedure where like they were trying to get these people to join this thing and then they were going to like remove their assholes or something. They weren't gonna have. It, was, it was the most ridiculous like, weird thing. So the highbrow stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. But like very scathing of that kind of like organized thing. And uh, the phone call was like, uh, yeah, we went to the club the other night and um, this, one, this one group, I don't know what they were doing up there. I guess stage acting. But... Uh, <laughs> Wow, stage acting. Stage acting. And that really like stuck with us. Like, guys, we got to keep working on our stage acting. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. I think that's one of the reasons we started at Sketchfest. I mean, it is the main reason. Is that we were in a sketch group. There aren't sketch venues. There's tiny little shitty places like the Mont Cafe or whatever. They literally had a theme in the middle of their stage. Right. Or the room. The sidelines are terrible. How is it? Everything okay? Everything's good. Thank, Thank you very much. There you go. You put away a lot of those vegetables. This is too good. Not the carrots because they're root vegetables. Yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, there's nowhere to perform. You wanted to bring stage acting to the people. We did. Sure. <laughs> and like, you couldn't rent a theater for a night. You had to rent it for like a month. And so we rented the Shelton Theater in um, Union Square. It's like 75-ish seat place still around. And uh, rented it for a month. We banded together with five other local sketch groups. Casper Hauser, um, Fresh Robots, which had like W. Kamal Bell and El Madrigal in it. Cool. We've both gone on to a couple of things. Um, Any names? Or... <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple other groups, and like we didn't know if it was going to catch on. We called it a sketch festival, like San Francisco sketch festival, sketch festival, because we needed an angle. Right. But really, we were just trying to like run a theater to have a place to perform that wasn't a comedy club where yeah, people were right. like confused. They're not warming up on the patio at Rooster Tees. Exactly. <laughs> I've done a couple weekends there. there. You go. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then thank God, like the Chronicle covered it. With the, 
cover the day book section, which is like the entertainment section on a Thursday, and just kind of wrote about what it was. And this is back when print actually mattered. It wasn't dead. There was actual visible results. If you're in the paper, it meant right. something. Right. Um, and we sold everything out after that, except for one show. There was one show on a Wednesday night that we sold like 60 out of 75. Everything else we sold out to capacity. Amazing. And the theater owner, this guy, Matthew Sheldon, is kind of like a surfer weirdo dude. I remember we, we, he said he came in that night and, and he saw the way he said 60 out of 75 and he was like, ah, oh, slowing down. Oh my right. god. So we always, we always quote that to each other all slowing the time. Down. Whenever we have a, like, a night that's not full, we always go up, slowing, slowing down. Slowing down, bro. Yeah. Slowing down. Gotta bring more stage acting. It's slowing down. Yeah, yeah. I remember other groups thought we were crazy because they were $12 tickets. It was like two groups co-headlined doing 45 minutes of intermission between and then the last week was like cabaret style. Thank you very much. Where every group did like 15 minutes. Right. And and we had no idea what we were doing. And it all basically sold out. And they, I remember going to like a Chinese restaurant I closed, after we closed to have drinks and get some food. And we were talking, I think Stephen Brophy from White Noise Radio Theater was like, we thought you guys were nuts. We were like, there's no way people are going to come to this. And then we were going to pay $12. It's $12 in that time. Oh, yeah. Like a lot to go see live entertainment that you didn't know. Yeah. Um, you're like, but uh, you pulled it off. I don't they, know they, how. They do it. The I think there's something great. about the uh, ticket price threshold that like, they're like, all right, not only are we going to go, but we're going to love it just because we already, you know. Yeah, I was yeah. just in Las Vegas right. last there week. And there was, I think the tickets to the, the Vegas shows were thirty-eight fifty, And I was just like, oof, you know, I wouldn't pay that. But That's there cheap were, for Vegas. Yeah, but the houses were full and people were just like, I call it leaning forward. They're like yeah. leaning forward and into it. And it was just... That's the misnomer about Vegas is that people think that like shows are cheap. Shows are crazy expensive. Crazy expensive. Yes. Because it yeah. takes you out of the like floor for ninety minutes. That's right. Yeah. They're all ninety minutes. That's like they won't let anything go longer. The stand-up show is an hour five. There you go. The, the, the format is um, the MC comes out and does five minutes. It's kind of a but it's like a a bone dry like ladies and gentlemen. Oh yeah. Boom. Yeah, and there's they do there, five. There's a red number clock buried in the stage. Hundred percent. Yeah. So MC does five. Feature does 20, MC comes out again and does 10, headliner does 30, one hour, five minutes, get back to the craps table, you know, that's where they make their big money, but you're right, there's no cheap, you know, even like the, people think the buffet is cheap, it's just like, no, nothing is cheap. The, the buffet is like, the cheapest buffet is like 20 bucks, the cheapest buffet. Right. Most of them are 30 plus. Right. Which is, you know, a lot more money than getting a sandwich somewhere for $10. True. Yeah, true. It's yeah. crazy. And the shows are like, the cheapest tickets to most shows are like 75 bucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I've i never, I really done stand-up. I've occasionally done a set just to like break the ice in a room, like for when they were doing auditions for the comedy competition in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And I was helping to produce it. I'd go up and do five minutes. I'd just tell everybody that was going up, you know, I don't even do this. I'm going to go up and do five minutes. Right. Just so they f felt less nervous. Right. Um, but I actually opened for Carvey in Vegas at the wow. Mirage Hotel wow. one weekend because he and I were working on a project and I right. went with him so we could keep writing. So we got there and he said, well, who's my opener? And they said, oh, we thought, you said, we thought you weren't going to, we were supposed to hire an opener? He said, no, and no, Mark can do it. I go, okay. <laughs> so so I go, all right, what am I going to do? Interestingly enough, I don't have an act. Right. So he and I wrote like five minutes of just the cheesiest fucking <coughs> jokes. Right. And I went out, 1,300 people, just packed, right? All paying like 100 bucks a <laughs> seat. And I did five minutes. And it was just, it was all, all just improv training, you know? Just if you look comfortable on stage, they can't tell the difference. I couldn't agree more. Right? There's, there is that thing, because also, like, with improv or stand-up or sketch or any of that stuff, there's so many people in Los Angeles that the only time that they act or perform or anything is when they go in and audition. Yeah. And that's not enough. No. you got to actually kind of be loose and comfortable yes. to... If you can get the audience on your side early, you can do no wrong after that. And I've seen people who are brilliant writers and have great comedic minds but just can't connect with an audience no. who will say something that is a funny joke but the audience is like, I don't like you. So they're not going to laugh at it. And I've seen other people go up there whose material is not great but they're so 
winning and so great on stage that like you could literally go uh, fart noise and they'll be like <laughs> yeah and it's, it's not even having to do like crowd work I mean, yeah, <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing sort of simulated crowd work right you're not picking people out individually but you're being you're opening up to them right and they suddenly feel comfortable yeah and once they feel comfortable they know what you're doing and also too uh, when you get to that level where you're comfortable at least for stand-up where people can go out into the crowd because I've yes. seen like headliners who've been doing it for 30 years they have like a chunk of just like you know um, I, I, I used to be a teacher you know yeah. so they have 10 minutes on teachers like any teachers here tonight did you teach uh, where'd you teach yeah. you, you know and then suddenly it feels germane to yeah. oh this is coming off the top of my head because I talked to you and you're a teacher yes. now hey so it's like this fake not fake but um well, it's definitely a pre-existing it's thing. engineered. It's yeah. engineered, yeah. and it, it, it's on topic because I've already talked to Beth, who right. teaches in Denver, and now we're right. We're friends. Now we're friends. Uh, Beth and got I'm only bringing it Beth up got because got let go. They downsized. For this, you really should bring that. If you're back when you're in Denver, don't bring it up. Right. Don't bring it up. Whatever. Beth do is very bitter about it. Very, very, very bitter. Very upset. She won't even cop to having been a teacher. Yeah. No. Your whole set screwed. <laughs> screwed. Do not go after it. Right. And you you can start out, hey, Adam, play teachers out there. Yeah, maybe should be like, yeah. All right, let's I would here. ramp up if I were you. Who's been downsized here? Anyone been downsized? Yeah! But sometimes it's like, especially in these short form improv shows, knowing doing like the Rivington for years, and I'm in a show here called Mission Improbable at, at Wonderful Westside. show, yes, yes, it's yes. It's fun, but it's like you play a lot of the same games. Like, right. We get together like right before the show at 9 o'clock, we just pick our set, whatever we want to play. But there's certain things you end up doing that like, even though I'd say like 95% of the stuff I say on an improv show I've never said before, there's 5% that like I've managed that's like, oh, this is an opportunity to do my Velociraptor. Sure. It always works. It will always work. Yeah. Right. And some people who, you know, have come to a lot of the, my shows and like, oh, you did the Velociraptor guy. I was like, yeah, I know it, because it works. Right. Like, there's no reason to not do your greatest hits. Okay, right. You're not just going to play your new album start to finish. you got to pepper in some... <laughs> if you don't play Hotel California, right. that's right. did you go to an Eagle show? Yeah. I don't yeah. think it but, is. But like, some people say, like, well, then that, that lessens yeah. the... Is that, is that really improv? Well, like, I decided yeah. to do that piece there. Right. It's not scripted. Yes, it's still improv. Yeah. And it's 95% of stuff I've never done before that's on right. stage. Like, come on. Give me give me that 5% that's going to work and help people get on my side so the other stuff I'm trying is a better chance Right. Well, I've been. To, I started a new day job at the beginning of the year. I moved from one company to another, and I, I'm, I work in the branding business. I cool. brand names. Um, but one of the things that they wanted me to do at this new gig was to teach improv. So one night a week, I have probably 12 to 15 people that work there across all the disciplines. There's designers, and there's all these different people, right. and they're. I'm just teaching kind of the basics of improv because I'm, I'm working on this book about. Uh, business, uh, improv and business, how to bring the precepts of improv into the business world in terms of creativity and yes, collaboration and, yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. It's really been effective. It's really interesting. I think that's yes and is just the only way to go through life. It is. There's just so many people who are just like, I don't want to try anything. I don't want I'm going to do this my thing all the way. And just like, okay, yeah, but there's, it's so much cooler. Also, too, if you're part of an ensemble, even if like like our relationship with the waitress, you kind of you know engage and have. Right. It's the best. Yeah, no, the it's car. The, the car always goes faster when you step on the gas instead of the brake. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. Unless you have one of those brake accelerators, which is really right. confusing. Which is well, yeah, you have a Prius. Yeah, yeah, but those, those, those got those got recalled. Oh. Turns out they weren't intentional. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, Priuses! Don't get me started on those. Uh, Everywhere you look, they're all maximizing their gas mileage until the light turns yellow. At which point they floor it, so you don't make the light. That's right. Right. That's right. But I think, otherwise, I you know, think there's a you don't have a Prius, do you? I do, and uh, for the record, I floor it all the time. Thank you. Yeah. There's a few people that I'm, drive like that, but everybody else guy. is like, oh, I'm gonna be just coast here. I'm maximizing. Right. No, I just bought a new one last year. I drove a, a, a pickup truck for about 15 years, and then I just bought uh, like an. You're like, what's the opposite of what I've been driving? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Before I bought it, I bought the littlest one, the Prius C, the smallest one that they have. I rented one for 24 hours, and I had uh, a couple of auditions during the day, a couple shows at night, and I was just, you know, any kind of parking spot, you're right well, I drive a Fiat 500 convertible. I can park. In fact, this park here in the booth with us. It's, like, like, it's, a, it's our fourth guest. Yeah. <laughs> if I still lived in the Bay Area, I would probably drive like a smart car or something because yeah. there's all these like almost spots everywhere. 
Yes. But nothing can fit in it unless it's really, really tiny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like it's designed for smart cars. Yeah. 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 Or Segways. Yeah, or Segways. <laughs> or Segways. Or Lyft or Uber. Right. This city is designed. Okay. Well, I'm going to hit stop. All right. When people ask you where they can find you online, what do you what do you say? Mark, Mark Suckatashshow.com. Suck yes, absolutely. Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast, where we featured grabbing lunch. Thank you for that, Mark. I really do appreciate it's it. It's our pleasure. Yeah, it means absolutely. a lot. Split Cider and Huffington Post. Yes, Huffington Post. And yeah. Cool. So you should feature this on your next one. So then it's like inception level. Of oh, I always, when I'm on some podcasters have figured out that if they have me as a guest, that will always be clipped on my show. <laughs> For the record, he had me featured before he was on the guest. That's we right. We met at uh, the podcast festival. That last year. That's right. Absolutely. Grandma Wood, Chris Mancini. Yes. Coming Andy up. Wood and um, Dave Anthony. Coming up September 18th, 19th, and 20th this year. Already have my three-day ticket and ready to stake out my spot in the podcast lab. I love it. a fun it. festival. I've done it the last two years. It's been good. I like it. Cool. It's a good idea. Colstratton.com. Uh, it's sometimes updated. Great. Palmyculturepodcast.com. Uh, it's also on Nerdist. That's where my podcast lives. Nice. Uh, also featured on Suck Attack. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 183 episodes in. So. Wow. Way to go. Awesome. Congratulations. Man. That's Very great. Nice. Which is cool. That's no small thing to just have that, you know, continuing to absolutely produce and engage. Yeah, yeah it's hard to because just everybody has a podcast now. Our waitress has one. <laughs> she does. She, we're actually we're guests on her, unbeknownst yeah. to us. We're on her. It's and called. Yeah, we got a pancake thing. <laughs> <laughs> so tune into that. We got a pancake thing not <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, thank you, man. And just like that. Episode 76 is uh, history. I'm going to use the word history. Thank you again to Cole. Thank you again to Mark. Thank you to Izzy's Deli in Santa Monica. Uh, and thank you to you for listening to Hero. Go to ColeStratton.com, TheSuckatashShow.com, and dare I say, MattKnudson.com, or GrabbingLunch.com. Stay in touch. Uh, you can also shoot me an email at Gmail. Grab your lunch at gmail.com. That is the address. And tell me where you're listening from. Tell me who you'd like to hear on the show. I will do my best to get them out. I don't have a book or I reach out to everyone personally. So uh, so that is it. Thank you so much for listening. And in the immortal words of Russell Simmons, thank you all for coming. God bless. Good night. This has been a sex pot comedy joint. Collaborative, community-driven comedy produced by Andy Jewett and Kayvon Kalibari. Headquartered in Denver, Colorado, with technical support from Isaac Miller.